Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right, another week, and the scouting combine is inching closer and closer as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 92. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with one of the best players to ever wear Eagles green for the first time ever. Brian Westbrook will be on the show to talk about the Eagles' backfield and the running back position overall. You do not want to miss my talk with Brian as we get into the nitty-gritty of the running back position. Next up on Scouting Report, I went on Twitter to find out who you all wanted to hear my notes on as we get closer to the combine, and you guys suggested a prospect that I have gotten a ton of questions about. Before we get into all that, let's not waste any time. Brian Westbrook and I talk about everything that goes into this running back position, what he looks for in college prospects, and his overall thoughts on the Eagles' backfield. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Joined now by former Eagles running back Brian Westbrook. You can follow him on Twitter at 36Westbrook. And B. West, I appreciate the time here joining us here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. I wanted to ask you first, going into this offseason, the the first full offseason for Doug Peterson and his coaching staff, what are your overall thoughts on this running back situation? You've got Ryan Matthews and Darren Sproles, Wendell Smallwood coming off of his rookie year. What are your overall thoughts about this backfield going into 2017? Well, I think the first thing that uh, Doug wants to do to help uh, Carson Wentz as a quarterback, of course he wants to get a, some outside weapons, but I think a close second would be to, to find someone that can provide him some help coming out of the backfield. I mean, I mean running the football as well as catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, throughout t- Doug's time in the league uh, with Philadelphia as well as with Kansas City, He's always had a running back that has had the ability to be a dual threat, a guy that could, uh, one, be able to run the rock as often as need be, as well as a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. And I think going into this offseason, that's exactly what Doug and his coaching staff will begin to look for. Brian, what are your thoughts on Wendell Smallwood coming off of his rookie year? Uh, obviously, we only got to see him in bits and pieces but he's been compared in some ways to a guy like Corell Buckhalter, one of your former teammates. What are your overall thoughts on Smallwood after year one? Well, uh, Corell wouldn't be the first guy that I would that would come to mind when I was comparing Wendell Smallwood. You know, when I think about uh, the kid, I think he was very explosive. He was able to get in and out of his touch very quickly. He did a great job of seeing the line of scrimmage and making moves. Uh, either before the line of scrimmage and after the line of scrimmage. So I, I was very pleased with that. I think he was shifty. Um, and, and, you know, anytime that you have a running back, especially young guys, you want to know a couple different things. One, uh, will they rush themselves? And so what happens with a lot of young guys, they, they want to get in there and get involved so quickly that they begin to rush. They're not very patient. And the key to being a running back in the NFL is patience. And so I saw Wendell Smallwood a lot of patience throughout the season being able to allow the offensive line to create holes and establish those holes and then run through them. He was able to use his speed not only to get to the hole, but to get through the hole. And so, of course, 
Our Patriots is number one. Two, explosiveness. Can he make that big play? When that hole is there, can he just flow through it? We saw that all season long when Wendell Smallwood had an opportunity. He was able to explode through those holes, and every chance he had, um, we saw him get through those holes, make something happen, pass the line of scrimmage, and that's exciting to see out of a young running back as well. And so with those couple things, I think he definitely has a bright future. And I think as he continues to grow, continues to turn and, and really evolve into the player that, that uh, Doug Peterson needs him to be, we'll see Doug use him a little bit more in that offense out of the backfield, catching the football in the screen game as well. And the one thing that I think he can improve on is his blocking technique and his willingness to block. You know, for all young backs, that's one of the things that you want to focus on first when you come into the NFL. Uh, and, and I was told early on, if I didn't protect Donald McNabb at the time, um, when I was a young guy, then I wouldn't be playing. And really the same thing speaks true for Wendell Smallwood. If he doesn't find a way to protect Carson Wentz uh, coming out of the backfield and it was linebacker blitzes and uh, defensive line stunts and things like that, then he won't be playing. And so he has to continue to get better with those things. And if he does, with his explosiveness out of the backfield, his patience, uh, catching the football and running the football, I think he could be very helpful and very useful for this offense. Brian, you've been in both situations throughout your career where you were a feature back, but then also a part of a piece in a backfield. You know, everyone wants to call it a running back by committee. What are the pros and cons of both ways? If you're a ball carrier, uh, what are the pros and cons, I guess, of both philosophies? Well, one of the big pros uh, as far as being a feature back is that you are constantly judging the flow of the game. You're, you, you are in there and you know when the defense is tired, when you need to push your guys a little bit more, when you should expect more from yourself. And so the flow of the game when you're in there being that feature back is one of the big things that you're able to establish uh, throughout, throughout that course of the football game. And so you love to be in there because of that. The other part is you know what the team needs. And then I guess that you can kind of relate that to the flow of the game as well because it, it, it's just part of the offense that you have. At some point, guys need to be pushed a little bit harder. Do we need to go no huddle? Is the defense tired? Do it, does our offense need to catch the ball? Out? Does, does my offense need me to catch the ball out of the backfield? Or do I need to be able to run the football? And that's just part of being in there that entire time. The, the, the good parts about uh, being a back in a, in a kind of a rotational type of role is that that kind of opens you up to the possibilities for you to be able to make plays on a special team because you won't be playing as much offense. So a team expects you to contribute uh, contribute as far as in the special teams game, but also offensively, it allows you to be a lot more fresh. And so instead of getting 20, 25 carries a game, you're probably only going to get 8 to 12 carries in a game, and that allows you to be more fresh. It also allows you uh, to most likely uh, be healthier towards the end of the year. The same type of thing, uh, conversely, for the, uh, the guy that's going to carry the ball and be the feature back all season long. Most of the times when you're getting 20, 25 carries a game, your body gets worn down just a bit as you go through 17 weeks of NFL football. And so a lot of times you miss games just because of little nicks and dings and those types of things because you've just been playing so much. And so there's definitely pros and cons to both. When I, when I think about what Doug was able to do with the three or four guys that they use out in Kansas City, I think that's something that they're going to be looking forward to using in Philadelphia. 
not necessarily having a guy that's going to be similar to Ezekiel Elliott when he's going to play 85% of the time, but more likely trying to find a group of guys that can all play 25 to 30% of the time. Everyone has a specific role. Everyone specializes in those roles. And maybe as those guys develop, their role will continue to get larger. But I think at the beginning, I think Doug was probably going to try to make sure guys are put in the position that they can be the most successful at. And with that, I think that offense will be fine. Yeah, that's certainly a strategy that it worked for New England on their way to a Super Bowl run this past year. Brian, last question I have for you for the Eagles scheme specific. I want to ask you about uh, the running back position overall. But before we get to that, I want to ask you, when you watch Doug Peterson's run scheme and you see such a wide variety, you know, you've got all the layers of inside zone and split zone and outside zone. Then you've got the gap schemes with power and counter and ISO, uh, all the misdirection run schemes. You've got the trap game. When, you have a, when you're a running back and you have a coach that has this wide variety of run plays in a playbook, what does that mean for you? What, what, what does, how does that help you moving forward from week to week, opponent by opponent? Well, really, it just means that the world is yours. I mean, if you as a running back feel comfortable running all of those plays and doing all of those different things inside of an offense and your coach feels comfortable enough with the offensive line and, and, and you guys' ability, the team's ability – to get all those things done, that means that defense has to be able to, to guard all those different plays. And when you're talking about a seven-day period between games, there's just not a lot of defense that are willing or have enough time to put in to be able to guard all of those and go over uh, the, the proper techniques and gap schemes uh, to stop all those types of run plays. And so that's really an advantage to the offense. If you can perfect those types of schemes, the inside zone, outside zone, the power, the lead draw, all those different types of things. If you can find a way to uh, perfect those things and just be very efficient in your run game, then that just gives your offense a great advantage. And when you're talking about yardage on first and second down, which is going to determine how successful you're going to be on third down, whether it's third and short or third and long, you want to be very effective with that offensive run game. And I think with Doug having that type of riding, um, he's going to be able to keep defenses on the toes, keep them guessing. And remember, as much as the defense is guessing about the run game, they also have to worry about Carson Wentz's ability to throw the ball down the field and his ability to scramble. And so for a running back, those are all good things. I think it's going to, be, it's going to help uh, the running back committee that the Eagles have this year be very successful. Brian, we're in the time of the offseason where every fan is very very much obsessed with player acquisition, and now it's the player evaluation period with the draft, and all fans are focusing their attention towards the top prospects in college football. So focusing on the running back position, what's one area of the game that maybe fans don't necessarily think about when you're talking about running backs making that transition from college to the NFL? So it's just an area where they don't necessarily think about that as much. An area that they don't think about as much. You know, I, I think so many people, and this kind of was the case for me, so many put, people put so much emphasis on what college you went to, what school you attended, the level of competition and things like that, and they don't necessarily pay attention to your skill set. And that's what really is the most important for a running back because you're going to be called upon to do different things and different schemes. And if your skill set at Florida State was only to run power eye schemes. However, the team that drafts you is going to be running a situation where you need to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield and do different things, line up 
uh, out of the backfield in the slot and things like that, then even though you went to Florida State, even though you went to Miami or some of these, some of these bigger schools, that, does, that doesn't necessarily mean that your skill set is going to transfer directly into the NFL without a lot of hard work. So I would focus more on which skill set do the guys have. I look at a guy like Ezekiel Elliott last year. Um, it, you know, he did a lot of different things out of the backfield. He, he ran the ball awfully well, uh, you know, best in the league. We, we've seen that. But he also had the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. And that's something that I saw in him coming out of Ohio State. He worked on his ability to catch the football out of the backfield. And I think as his football career goes on, we'll see that even more uh, as far as him catching the ball out of the backfield. One of the things that I saw and that I take note of is every running back's ability to pick, to pick up the blitz and the willingness to stick his nose in there to block. And so if you have the ability to develop some of those, a couple of those skill sets, you'll be so much more successful in the NFL. And it's not necessarily about the school that you go to. It's about how much skill that you actually have. What skill set were you able to develop throughout your college career? And now how can that skill set translate into the team and the way that they're going to use it? Not everybody's the same. Not every offense is the same. How will your skill set translate into the NFL? And that's really uh, depending on what you were able to do in college, but also what your NFL coaches will, will be asking of you as well. Brian, one of your former teammates in Brian Dawkins is now obviously a member of the Eagles scouting staff. So I'm going to ask you to put your scouting hat on. All right, I'm going to put you put your you're taking Brian Dawkins shoes right now. And you're you're tasked with trying to find a running back. What's the number one trait that you must have? It could be a mental trait, a physical trait. What is the number one trait you must have if you're going to play running back for Brian Westbrook? You have to be hungry on every down on every play, on every series, and every game. And you have to include practices as well. You have to be more hungry than everyone else because there may be a situation in this offense where I might not get you the ball but 12 times a game. And on those 12 touches, you have to be hungry enough to understand you may not get number 13, but you're going to make the most out of those 12. And, and, and I'm okay with you being a little upset that you only got 12. But now I want you to go out there and work a little bit harder in practice. I want you to show me why I should get you the ball a little bit more. I want you to be hungry. If you're hungry, then I can coach you. If you're not hungry, you're not ready to go out there and get better today, then it's going to be hard for me to coach you. It's going to be hard for you to help our team win. But if you're hungry, you're willing to be coached, you're ready to be coached, and all you need to be led is in the right direction. And that's something that I think Deuce Daly, Doug Peterson, our coaching staff will do a great job of leading any running back that's hungry enough uh, in the right direction, but they'll be successful there in that offense. Brian, a lot of people talk about vision and instincts, the running back position. Is that something that you think is natural and is something that you're either born with that vision, those instincts, or you're not? Or is that something where you think a back can improve on that, especially making that jump from college to the NFL? Have you seen guys throughout your career that maybe didn't have those natural instincts but then got a little bit better with that as they moved on to the NFL? Well, instincts are something that you normally get naturally, but I think you can get better at your feel for the game. The more you do something, the better you are, uh, you, you will become at doing it. And I think the feel of the game, you know, and for me, uh, instinctually, I was pretty good because I understood and I knew where I needed to be. So I didn't necessarily need to watch tape on what exactly what the defense is doing and how they were going to prepare, prepare the us. Because for me, it was going to be a little bit different. My body, 
my instinct, my, 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 the feel of the game was going to lead me in the right direction every time. Um, and, and so I, I think that's something that you, you gain over time through hard work and dedication to your craft. The more you work at it, the better your skill and your feel, your instinct will actually be. And I think that's something that you can get better at, but you, you definitely have to have a certain level of instinct and feel for the game uh, prior to in, entering the NFL. Brian, the last question I have for you. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to be out in Indianapolis at the scouting combine. And one of the popular questions that all these players get asked, there's going to be like 330 guys, and almost all of them, when they meet with the media, get asked, who, do you, who, do you, who reminds you of yourself in the NFL? And everybody says, oh, you know, I don't want to be Brian Dawkins. I don't want to be Donovan McNabb. I, I, I want to be Christian McCaffrey. I want to be Deshaun Watson. Well, when you, after you graduate from the NFL, you retire, you move on to life after football, and you're watching some of these guys coming out, is it almost the opposite? Do you start to see some of yourself in some of these players coming out, or do you still kind of share that mindset of, nah, these guys aren't like me. Like, I was my own guy. These guys are, are off to set their own standard. <laughs> you know, for, for me, I always look at these guys, and, and I judge their game. Uh, of course, I see a lot of talented running backs throughout the collegiate ranks. Uh, I, I see what they're able to do with their skill set. Are they quick to the hole? Do they have great vision? Do they have great speed? Do they have that breakaway speed? Can they make people miss? Um, generally, when I look at guys, I compare them to guys that I've seen play in the NFL. Is he more of a Marshall Falk type of guy? Or is he more of an Eddie George type of guy? Is he a guy that has a great combination of Barry Sanders and Ezekiel Elliott? I try to give them NFL comparisons because when you're talking to the different scouts and the, the different people around the league, they understand those NFL comparisons and what guys uh, did in the NFL. Not necessarily what they did in college because – we saw guys like Reggie Bush that were probably one of the most explosive college players that I've ever seen, and then he came to the NFL, and we didn't see that anymore from Reggie Bush. We didn't see those explosive-type plays, those ankle-breaking plays, breaking off 70, 80 yarders. We just saw like a, an average running back, quite honestly. But there are guys that enter uh, into college and then that translates directly into the NFL. Like Ezekiel Elliott, guys that have the ability to break off those long runs, run people over. And so when I look at guys, I always look at NFL comparisons, NFL uh, things that you can do inside of the NFL, not necessarily what they did in college. One of the greatest to ever wear midnight green. Brian Westbrook, appreciate the time once again for joining us here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We'll have to have you on again soon. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. Great stuff from Brian. And again, you can follow him on Twitter just like I do, at 36Westbrook. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. You know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast all over social media. That's one way to support the show. But really the main way is to go on to iTunes or Stitcher, give us a rating, leave us a comment wherever you listen. I wanted to give a shout out to Rockstar Pepe who commented on our iTunes page and wanted to know my take on the cornerbacks from Florida. Do I prefer one over the other or should the Eagles avoid them for another prospect at defensive back? Well, the two players you're talking about, Rockstar, are Tease Tabor, Jalen Tabor, and Quincy Wilson, two of the prospects in a very loaded cornerback group in this NFL draft. 
Tabor is the guy I think I prefer a little bit more. And there are a lot of people that go back and forth on this. A lot of people will say Wilson is the better player. Some people will go Tabor. I lean more towards Tabor. Six foot, 191 pounds. He's instinctive. He's got ball skills. He's a good press corner. I think Tabor's got all the physical traits that you want to be a very good all-around corner at the, in the NFL level. He can, uh, if he could check out off the field, and that's the big question because he did have a couple suspensions throughout his career, and I want to see him be a little bit more of a consistent tackler, which is obviously very important in the Eagles scheme. I think he'd be one of the top defensive players picked in this draft. He's got very high upside. Then you go to Wilson. You know, Wilson's a little bit bigger. He's 6'1", 213 pounds. His size, his ability to come downhill and tackle, those are the best traits of his game. So it's a little bit different than Tabor, whereas that's a weakness. That's one of the best strengths for Quincy Wilson. Whereas I think Wilson's probably a little bit more scheme specific. You know, he's not a fit for everybody. I question his overall ability, his overall athletic ability, his top end speed. He does need to refine some things at the line of scrimmage in terms of playing and press coverage. He's got what you want upstairs, but his questionable athleticism at this stage is a big concern for me. That's why I'm really excited. I'm anxious to see how he's going to do at the combine. Uh, that's, that's going to be a really big weekend for Quincy Wilson, and that's going to be the big question for him. So thanks to Rockstar Pepe and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Okay, let's keep this show going. I told you earlier that I'd get to my notes on a really intriguing prospect of your choosing. Let's get to that player now in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so this week on Scouting Report, the player that I wanted to cover was a first-team all-conference player this year, and I did not watch him coming into the season. He was a junior, so he would have been a sophomore last year, was not really on my radar. That's Louisiana Tech wide receiver Carlos Henderson, 5'11", 191 pounds, former teammate of Eagles great Paul Turner, uh, and a fan favorite, obviously, here in the city. Tony Pauline, our good friend from DraftAnalyst.com, he thinks that Henderson's going to crack 4-4. A lot of the times he's hearing from Henderson's agent and the people that are there working out with him are that he might crack into the 4-3s at the scouting combine. And I heard that before I watched Henderson. And I'll tell you what, it wouldn't surprise me at all because the kid has legitimate speed. He was a three-year starter in Skip Holt's shotgun spread offense down there in Louisiana Tech, lined up as the X receiver to the short side of the formation. So you think if he's on the right hash, if the offense is on the right hash, he's going to be on the right side. If they're lined up on the left hash, he's going to be on the left side. He was always lined up as that X receiver to the backside. Really physical kid against press coverage. I watched two games of Henderson now, okay, so it's a little bit of a small sample size in terms of my evaluation. But uh, he always was very physical against press coverage, not afraid to mix it up on his releases, tried to win with his hands, but he's also got the ability to win with his feet. And that's something that if you go back and listen to my conversations with a guy like Mike Quick, he talks about how important it is to have the feet to beat man coverage or beat press man coverage. And Henderson certainly does have that. He can just run by a defender early in the down. Explosive athlete. He can get to top speed quickly. And in the open field, he can leave corners in the dust. On vertical routes, he does a great job of getting corners flips, hips flipped and then breaking the opposite way. He can explode in and out of breaks. He's got the potential to be a lethal route runner. He's then, again, that's potential. We'll get to that later. Solid ball skills. You know, when it came to tracking the ball down the field, I thought he did a really good job. Really effective after the catch. He's got the wiggle to make defenders miss, and he can run through arm tackles. He's got the speed to take it to the house anytime he touches the ball, and he brings legit value as a kick returner. So you talk about his ability with the ball in his hands, and you're talking about a very, very talented player. All that being said, I do want to see more consistency as a route runner. I mentioned he's got the potential to be lethal 
He's just not there yet. Doesn't always fly out of his breaks as much as I'd like. He rounds off his cuts at times. He'll push off a little bit at the catch point. So he just need, he needs to refine a little bit more at the top of his stem and be a little bit more consistent, creating separation with his technique. He will go up and fight for the ball, but I don't think he's going to be one of those contested catch guys in the NFL. He does need to further prove himself as a blocker. thought he was more of a runoff guy in college, so he's just running downfield vertically instead of trying to man up one-on-one and win as a blocker out on the perimeter. I am excited to study more. You know, he's got all the physical tools you look for. You can check a lot of boxes off with him. I think he's got the ability to be a starter on the outside and potentially a high-level one, but I just want to see him get a little bit better in some of those areas. So that's how I feel about Carlos Henderson. And ultimately, I do think he's probably going to fit into that second round, third round range, and probably more the former. I do think he's got a shot at going in the top 50 picks, especially if he runs as well as Tony Pauline and others expect him to do out in Indianapolis. I am very excited to see him test at the combine. I think he'll probably be one of the better athletes at the wide receiver position in attendance. So that'll be very interesting to see. Really great stuff from this show from Brian Westbrook. I was really, really happy to get him on. And all, thanks to all of you out there listening as well, whether you're on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and, of course, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And if you get the time, again, rate the show, leave us a comment, let us know what you think. That's the best way to get your question answered on this podcast is going to iTunes, going to Stitcher, leave the comment, leave the question, leave us a five-star rating, and it's the best way to get up on this show. So just do that whenever you can. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle on the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the NovaCare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.